Good morning. Good morning. It is Sunday, Sunday morning here on the beautiful Jersey coast. And if you are waking up, opening your eyes and tuning in, it's Sunday morning or maybe Sunday afternoon or even Sunday evening where you are. And you are here with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn, as I welcome you to another episode of Weightless in mind, body, and spirit. So let's sit back and enjoy and listen in. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You walk away Just If only they can see it Going through your paces It's amazing Weightless matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces, it's amazing. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and happy Sunday to one and all as you join us for today's very special episode. I am so excited this morning. And as always, let me introduce myself. I'm sure we're going to have new people watching in, joining the community. So I'm yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn, triply board certified in family medicine, obesity medicine, and in osteopathic manipulative medicine. I am also your master movement meditation and mindset coach, three-time best-selling author, wife, sister, daughter, auntie, godmommy, and all the things that you play. I'm living a fully engaged life, Ubuntu, here in this community and this here and now. So the name of our show, Weightless, in mind, body, and spirit. Why is this show called Weightless. Well, the meaning has a double entendre. And of course, being an obesity medicine specialist, we look at the fact that obesity itself is a chronic relapsing multifactorial neurobiological disease where an, an increase in body fat promotes adipose tissue dysfunction. So very important that we understand that. And abnormal fat mass physical forces resulting in adverse metabolic, biomechanical, and psychosocial health consequences. So in other words, it happens within the context, within the greater context of your life. Also, we look at what it means on a spiritual level to be weightless in mind, body, and spirit. So what does it feel like to be free of the gravitational forces that are holding you down psychologically, that make you feel heavy psychologically and spiritually? And today's show definitely has a focus on the latter. More and more, I am noticing in my particular practice of medicine and in the way I relate to the to the field is that a huge component is that community component, that social component. You know, when there seems to be something off occurring in the background, maybe you can't quite put your finger on it, but you know it's there and you know it's having an impact. And I'm often seeing that that's that social component, that piece that needs to be addressed. And in our social upheaval of today that's so prevalent, that's so in the forefront, 
that's something that I'm noticing more and more and more. So it becomes so important for us to do things like land acknowledgements, like poor libation. So we also have to not only heal ourselves, but we also have to heal our community and our earth. And I also like to bring into acknowledgement today the transition of one of our modern day social architects and our modern day social healers. And that is the transition of the great philosopher and monk Thich Nhat Hanh. So we just want to keep that in mind as we process. We want to keep that in mind as we move forward. And as always, we'll be welcoming our very interactive audience and guests to the show. But without further ado, I'm going to bring in or bring onto screen our guest today. Minister Kerwin Webb. I am so excited for our audience to meet this young man. And you know me, I always like to bring our guests on camera and share their biographical information with you all while they are on camera because, you know, it's kind of like giving a person a rose while they can still smell the roses. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome and introduce the amazing, the wonderful, my friend, someone who is part of my healing collective for myself personally in mind, body, and spirit, someone who makes me feel weightless the wonderful, the marvelous, the interesting, the intriguing Minister Kerwin Webb. So there he is. There he is, you all. <laughs> so Minister Kerwin Webb is a native of Birmingham, Alabama. Can anybody say hashtag Birmingham in the house? And earned a bachelor's in business administration from Alabama State University. Minister Webb is a 2019 graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary, where he has earned his Master of Divinity degree, a certificate in Black Church Studies, and an international certificate in Youth Theology and Innovation from the Institute for Youth Ministry. In 2012, Minister Kerwin founded the RMW Foundation, a nonprofit organization focused on child development, youth outreach, and adult empowerment. In 2013, Minister Webb currently serves as the associate pastor, or is that from 2012 to 2013? So let's go back. Rewind. Minister Webb currently serves as the associate youth outreach um, pastor of youth and young adults at Second Baptist Church of Esbury Park, the president of the Greater Red Bank Branch of the NAACP Coalition Liaison for the New Jersey Social Justice Remembrance Coalition, and chairman of the board of the T. Thomas Fortune Foundation. In addition to the other roles, Minister Webb operates a training, coaching, and consulting business designed to help achieve personal and organizational growth, program development, administration and management, and learning facilitation. And more can be found about Minister Webb at KerwinWebb. Dot com. So welcome to Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. Good morning. Thank you so much for that uh, amazing introduction and those adjectives that you described me with. Uh, I'm flattered. I'm happy to be here with you and your audience. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to join you. Yes. Well, you know, we're involved in quite a few conversations that are taking place in the context of the social milieu. And I thought this was an opportunity to further that along because I believe that as we have these conversations, we begin to create another entity that comes out of the energetic imprint of the conversation itself. And I believe that these words and these conversations are important to put out there in the universe because there is, or there can be 
a significant ROI or return on investment to put it in a business sense or a business context. So what we are putting out individually and collectively is a prayer. All words are prayer and all prayer is answered if you look at the physics or the science behind what it means to speak, what it means to give voice and therefore to give life to a concept. And however, let's go ahead and let's see who is tuned in this morning so we can welcome them. Good morning, Patricia, and welcome. Yes, good chilly morning from Ocean, New Jersey. Good morning, <laughs> Dr. Kathy. Indeed, good chilly morning from Wisconsin. I think it's cold every place. Good morning. Good morning, Kawana, and welcome. Good morning and welcome, Martha. Hashtag Meditation Nation. That's right. Everybody go on in there. Your hashtag Meditation Nation. Believe it or not, it helps people to find us. Good morning and welcome, Linda from Florida. Good morning, Victoria. Good afternoon from the sunny beaches and for 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 Raja. <laughs> Excuse me, the Gambia. Oh, she doesn't mean to rub it in. Mm-hmm. I see that, but it's eighty nine degrees. <laughs> yes, please bundle up. Send some our way. Good morning, Marianne, and good morning, Doctor Terrellon. So we do have an exciting gathering here. This morning, this morning. Oh my goodness. And so today we are going to be talking about reparations and social action. There's also going to be an opportunity for ways in which uh, one can engage with Minister Webb and what he's doing and also ways in which to engage with the weightless and mind, body, and spirit community and what yours truly, Dr. Carroll, is doing. So without further ado, let's get into it. Frame for us this conversation. What is reparations and what is it that we're talking about? And what is some of the urgency about this? Oh, by the way, good morning, Dr. Randy. Welcome. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So reparations is a, a concept that some people um, are repulsed by as soon as they hear it. Reparations is a concept that some that other people embrace and say it's a no-brainer. Um, but this is how I um, sum up in, in just very simple terms. If we are riding on the parkway or on 18 or on 95 and I come into your lane and I smash the side of your car, right? What, what, what's the process that goes after that? We pull over, exchange informa- insurance information so that you can get your car fixed, correct? So that I, the guilty party, um, has to pay for you to get your car fixed. In a similar vein, just broad strokes, that's what reparations are. Reparations are repair for damage done. And in this case, and in this context, uh, we are talking about reparations for those who are descendants of slaves, those who um, have been robbed of the opportunity to participate in civic life here in America, um, those who had their labor, their land, their families, um, stolen and, and taken from them. And so the concept of reparation, if we strip away all of the uh, feelings, negative energies or thoughts that we have about it, if we look at what happened, the fact that f- for hundreds of years, uh, a group of people were enslaved and their labor was unpaid and that unpaid labor built the economic engine that is the American economy. Um, we can see that reparations are due. Um, there, over the last couple of years, there have been more and more conversations about it. And those conversations go a couple of different ways. And we can talk about some of the pitfalls. But ideally, for me, the concept of reparations is simply acknowledgement, repair, and then moving forward. So... So beautifully said, I love that acknowledgement, repair, and moving forward. As a 
medical doctor, a member of the community, and particularly as a family medicine doctor. So our specialty is that we take care of uh, people from from cradle to grave, right? So kind of the the architecture overlooking the the lifespan, and also helping people live their life within the context of community. So my concern is now I'm really looking at the relational aspect. So I have a person before me and X, Y, and Z is going on. They may or may not be taking X, Y, and Z medications. And we know that disease processes By the time someone has a diagnosis and it's been narrowed down to, you know, giving it a name, a very specific name, we're we're late. We're already late to the show. So that's one thing that we're learning more and more about modern day medicine and that somewhere way, you know, way, way, way out here and, you know, way, way, way back here, a process of inflammation began. And the more we learn about this process of inflammation, the more we learn about, you know, what sparks these things that land us in a disease process, we are seeing the relationship between what's happened historically within the community and how this goes down from generation to generation to generation and comes into what could result in you having diabetes, what could result in you having hypertension, what could result in you having a combination of things that we call obesity, where your adipose tissue itself is uh, turning against you in a kind of autoimmune spectrum. Do you think that without addressing this inflammatory event that was set into motion by the concept of slavery and how it manifested on these shores of America, do do you think that this might be why we continue to be one of the sickest nations on the earth despite our wealth? Absolutely. It, it, it is similar to a person who is having pains in their body, but they refuse to go and get it checked out. Or they go and get it checked out and they get the diagnosis or they hear the doctor's opinion, but they ignore it. That's, that's what this country has done. Reparations conversation is not new. It, it, is not, um, it is not something that is just popping up on the, on the scene. This has been ongoing since the elimination of slavery, even probably before. Um, And so what we have seen in this nation is that there is almost a a collective misremembering intentionally um, to to shield them, to shield ourselves or absolve ourselves of the responsibility for what we've done. And then all of the reasons, right? And that goes into some of the reasons why people say reparations can't happen because it seems too big, it seems too massive. Uh, Yet I don't think that very many places people have actually attempted to do the work, right? We went for the checkup, we got the diagnosis and we went home and said, I don't believe you, it's not happening. And so we continue to be inflamed. We continue to get sicker. we continue to have these eruptions in our body where the body is fighting each other because we haven't dealt with the, the, the symptom. I mean, the problem. Yeah. So you've got it. This is my opinion for sure, for sure, for sure. In the world of functional medicine, where we took look at what is the root cause. So we have a person with a disease process and, you know, we keep saying that the difference between uh, doctors who have the perspective of, 
you know, total, you know, westernized uh, medicine practicing within current, you know, third party reimbursement system versus uh, doctors who have gotten additional information in the world of functional medicine, where you look at the root cause. In other words, if you could get at the root cause, you can possibly put things in place to disrupt what's going on so that you really um, help the person bring about a cure once and for all. And we see this as more and more people say, well, you know, I don't want to be dependent upon this medication. I don't, I know that that's a band-aid. And I also see a correlation and a parallel to this within the social context, within the community context. And it is not unrelated in the scientific community because of the, the body of knowledge that we refer to as epigenetics. And we know that the body in its wisdom is always in communication within and also communicating in the external world. And this is happening down on a, a cellular level, deep down in our DNA and our mitochondria and the 70 to 100 trillion cells that comprise us as individuals. So hey, good morning, Patrick. Good morning, Dr. Kina. We've got several medical specialties <laughs> that are here and represented in the chat this morning. So Minister Webb, what would you say to the doctors who are watching this morning? Doctors, you know, as, as medical professionals, we are in an extraordinarily privileged and powerful relationship to both our community and individuals within our community. We have a level of intimacy with people that is offered by few professions. We see it comes close, I believe, in the ministry. It comes close in some areas of social work. But you know, you really getting inside of someone when you're talking about their body, their health, when you're talking about something, well, you know, if, if you're not able to turn this around, you could potentially lose your life or lose the quality of your life. What is what are some things that you would want the medical community to know that would truly make them culturally competent in this area? Um, you know, looking at community as medicine within the social context of our lives. Yeah. Um, so I'd I'd say that the medical community like you said there there's there's an intimacy that they that you have with your patients um but we do know that for historic reasons um the community that looks like us in medical care they've had a, an interesting relationship so i'd say for the medical professionals is in in your capacity as a practitioner but also in your capacity as a person encourage those who, who have the epigenetical displacement that has been brought on by uh, the systemic issues, help people to see how small changes in their lifestyles can really begin to disrupt the patterns that, that uh, the patterns and cycles that we're in. Um, because it, it, it's, both, it's both a social and an individual thing. And what I, I see in, in the chat, uh, Martha Hill said, it's, it's educational. There, there's a lot that we don't know. And those who have the information um, as a practitioner or just as a person, it will only help us to know more about the, the symptoms, the problems, the challenges, but also solutions that can be taken. Because drug companies, want people to take medicines because that's a repeat customer, right? I don't want you healed. I want you as a customer. However, there are natural plant-based, there are other ways and it, the information is difficult to get to. So if we can become uh, conduits of information sharing uh, in that way, medical professionals can help um, healing the community because a, a sick body is one that is not receptive to new information or new things. 
Um, and so as I start to heal, as I start to purge myself of the toxins, then I'm more open to, to more healing, but then I can share that as well. Well, well said, and thank you for that response. So, you know, I, I'm really feeling in our conversation that there is an opportunity here for something new to emerge in terms of perspective, in terms of the homework that we are each charged to do. What Something that I am noticing, that I'm feeling is that Historically, and you know, I, I lived through this, you know, the, the marches, the, the civil rights era. This was my, my childhood, my, my youth, my young adulthood. And, you know, I sort of, you know, reached a, a critical point of being disappointed when the outcome or the results of perhaps a Barack Obama becoming the president of the United States leaves us where we are today, politically, socially, emotionally, uh, with with our, our healthcare system, with our educational systems. And I, I feel like these systems are dying and that we don't have the, a, a new world order as yet in place, not quite yet in place. And before, what was effective was we protest, we march, we call for social change, and it was happening out there. We could do it from the outside in. What I'm seeing and feeling now is that we need to do it from the inside out and that people need to have breadcrumbs home to the soul where they turn inward first in order to have the outward result. Because as far as I can see, it's not working the other way. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. Um, for me, I, I made a declaration and a commitment to myself that 2022 would be a year of accountability. Um, and, and I think that what you're saying is the turning in. We all have to take accountability for where we are. No matter what external forces, factors, or situations, we play a part in where we are by the decisions that we make or the ones that we fail to make. And so as as i as we look back um last week we we celebrated dr king's um you know his, his commemoration ceremony and you know we as people need to actually honestly look at the civil rights movement the civil rights years and ask ourselves a question was that the right path and learn from what we found and do something different. We have access to organizations, institutions, intelligence, brilliance, and we don't need others to do things for us. We just have to begin to say, okay, enough is enough. We've waited for others. We've tried it the other way. Let's do something different. And I believe that that inner work will start us to really understand who we are the, the, the strength and the power that is within, because to be honest, to be in America, a black person in America still surviving, that, that's something resilient in your, in your bones, in your genes. And we have that. And the intelligence that created and built this place, we have that. We have not done a good job of collectively harnessing that power and putting it to pro productive use on a thing. We're disparate. Everyone has their own thing. Everyone's putting their energy in that thing without regard to how well we can do when we come together. I think one of the things that slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, uh, mass incarceration has done is that it has divided the communication of our communities so that we aren't communicating well. And if your body doesn't communicate with your arm, right, I can't open this door because my brain hasn't we have to fix those connectors so that we can say, this is what needs to be done. We need an institution to properly educate. 
We need an institution to teach us how to bank and how to do this so that we're less dependent and then we can be more forceful and impactful in that way. Beautifully said, and thank you for bringing up Dr. Martin Luther King. One of the things, and again, I'm going to just return to the the body temple, if I may, because there are just, you know, there's just so much uh, where people like on this external thing. And as a person who is uh, very uh, purposefully stepped into the role of activists. And I know as you have, you know, we have to live to fight another day or we have to, we have to live to harmonize another day or we have to live to realize another day. And so Dr. King in his brilliance died a young man, of course, through assassination, through the act of murder However, when his body was autopsied, he had the organs of someone decades older than himself. So this was the result of the the inflammation, the erosion, the stress. And I I would like to say that again, I would like to see First of all, everyone who's watching and, you know, the, you know, all the medical community who's here this morning, um, who are in some ways in their own right, you know, an activist, you know, this is the, your lifestyle. This is what you're doing, whether you like it or not, or know it or not, is that at the end of our life, when the autopsy is performed, the actual physical autopsy, and they look at the organ systems that the organ systems have have aged within the normal context of of human life so you know if you make your transition at 80 well you look internally like a normal 80 year old you know not a diseased one not a sick one it's just like oh yeah you know the person's you know batteries have worn down, that that type of thing. So I'm really wanting to bring forward a science of being able to live competently as an activist, where that at the end of your day, at the end of your engagement, there's a way for you to be more enlivened, that you don't fall out day after day, uh, exhausted, that you are able to tap into such an inner fountain, again, that you're able to thrive within the context of helping the society heal as a whole, and that this healing engagement in this work begins to have a reciprocity. It's something in the from the wisdom tradition of Chinese medicine that we call the microcosmic orbit. How do we bring that alive in our discussions? How do we be activists and that when people engage with us, they feel, oh yes, I'm going to do my activism over there and in that context and with that group because I feel renewed by this. I feel healed by this. I feel refreshed by this. That, that is absolutely excellent. And I have a, an example of how that happens. Um, working, doing the type of work I do, and you read my bios uh, and the different organizations and agencies. And honestly, I... I all of that is God leading me. I would not have chosen a lot of those things because, um, you know, I, initially I had my own mind about what needed to be done and what I would do. But what I do find is that being an activist is draining. It's, it, it can wear you out. So the, the information about Dr. King's autopsy is, is sitting right here with me. But what I found over the last couple of days is that a community of people, and it doesn't have to be a huge number, um, a couple of friends of mine the last couple of days just called me out of the blue and we just had conversations about anything and nothing. And after those conversations with like-minded people who 
were just catching up old friends, I felt rejuvenated. I felt renewed. I felt enlivened and able to do more. And I, I bring that up because in the work of activism, no matter what realm, whether it's healthcare, whether it's social justice, civil rights, um, politics, having the right people around you can, can help recharge your batteries in the fight. Sort of like the alternator in your car, right? Once it's on, it's gonna keep that battery charged. It's only when you don't have something that is continually feeding you that you're gonna drain yourself and you may be in the wrong company or you may be operating in your own strength too much. And so one of the ways to do that as activists is to really identify ourselves as activists, right? We don't have to be marching, we don't have to be picketing, but in our daily lives, we can be active in bringing about empowerment and change or transformation and being in a group of people who iron, the um, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. So does uh, a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. When you have those people who can correct you and love you and push you, that will help um, keep you from, I think, burning out too soon. Uh, I wanna say that Dr. King and, and a lot of leaders in that day, similar now, um, right? While every a lot of people, America celebrates Dr. King now, I believe it probably like 75% of Americans, black, white, and others did not like him because he was too controversial. And so I could see how that would have drained him. You're muted, Dr. Penn. You're on mute, <laughs> the phrase of the last two years. So I can see... Yeah, again, part of our perception of being liked and not being liked, you know, that's that's part of we're humans. We're we're gregarious. We're social animals. We're hurt, uh, hurt animals and how that not being included in certain or excluded in certain circles could actually uh, work as as harm against us. And so, as always, my guests are so generous and they give us an opportunity to engage with them. And Minister Webb has a discussion group that he's starting. And you can see that DM has put that in the chat. I'll put that right up there. This is a way if you go ahead there, you can talk about and learn about what it means to be a political disciple. So Minister Webb, could you talk to us a little bit about that group? Yeah, um, political discipleship is a, a study curriculum that was created by the Center for Public Justice. And it was designed for people who um, look at our politics and see that something should be changed. It, it, it doesn't work. Um, and so this group is for people who want to get involved, but don't know how to, don't know what to do, where to start. Um, it is an 11 week group project where we come together uh, it could be as many as 10 or 15 people, and we collectively decide on an issue uh, that we want to advocate for or uh, contact a legislator about. We go through a process of learning about the issue, learning about how to actually advocate, learning who we're going to talk to. And the, the culminating project is having a meeting with a legislator or a lawmaker presenting our idea or our solution. Um, I believe, we believe political discipleship is created so that everyday citizens can really take charge and help change the, the gridlock that is within our country and actually start work, getting government to work for the people again. Um, so if you go to that link, you can register for the upcoming uh, group that is going to be on Jan uh, January the 28th. Uh, it's an interest meeting that we'll do and then we'll begin sometime in February. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I am so thrilled to uh, hear about this. Now, is there a cost to join? Nope. All no right. Cost. So the the price of admission is the pricelessness of your time. Okay. So that would be, yeah. So again, wonderful, 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 wonderful opportunity here. Now, okay, so audience, while this is scrolling, I want you to capture this information and I want you to take action. Go on over there 
and join. This is your opportunity to take action. And when do we take action? We take action in the present moment. right now, right now, right now. So that is very, and then you can, you know, continue, you know, watching and learning and listening to this discussion. We know that this discussion is available on my Facebook, professional Facebook page. It's available on YouTube. And afterwards we upload it to the podcast of the same name. So we want you to share this with your network. The other thing that I'd like to point out here about joining a group such as the political discipleship is that it is a part of one's continuum of healing physically as well. This is something that I am going to be addressing with people who come to see me for hypertension, diabetes, um, you know, the, the whole continuum and spectrum of illness. This is not, in my opinion, something that can remain outside of the exam room because people more and more and more, you know, what's causing this? What's the root cause? I want to know what the root cause is and, and, you know, and, and, and why I have this, you know, cardiovascular disease or why I can't lose this weight. And a lot of it is because of the context in which we live our lives, the context of which we, we live in this country. So all of this upheaval, all of this hatred, all of this ugliness is not good for us. People will come to me, oh my God, I had a week of meetings and my blood pressure has just been all over the place. Why? Because the body and its intelligence is trying to protect you and it's reacting to the annoyance and the upset, the anger and the fear that has been provoked by the meetings you've been in at work. So this is going to be become a part of my prescription pad that we need to begin to redress on an individual level and on a personal level what is what we see going on around us. So again, in the a spiritual world, we often say that you know how you're doing look at your friendships and your relationships and look at your environment. And what you see externally is the world that you created internally. And if what you see externally is not agreeable to you, it feels incongruent with the truth of the person that you know yourself to be, then the thing is not to go change it out there, which is the tendency now, but you need to go change it in here, in here, in here. So we have people said that Dr. Randy, excellent show. Mona just signed up for activist webs. You know, you're going from minister web to activist webs, session <laughs> discussion, session discussion. So brilliant. So brilliant. And so now I'm also going to give our wonderful viewers an opportunity to participate with me and what I'm doing. So I have created a monthly membership community, a monthly membership community, because here's, you know, here's another perspective. Here's another way to engage. And in that monthly membership community, it is a mindset mastery for weightless in mind, body, and spirit. So who's it for? It's for you. Those of you who are out there now. And it is often, how do we do that inside job? How do we get inspired? How do we stay motivated from week to week to week to week? And during the opportunity in this membership community, which is $49 a month, very affordable for most, if not all, you know, say, you know, just uh, don't purchase a couple of coffees a week and you, you've got the cost covered. And it also goes to support the conversations and what we do here on this show to keep bringing this alive. But every week you're going to get 
drip to you. Lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, lesson four. It doesn't matter when you join because whenever you join, you start with lesson one. And then once a month, we're going to come together for a live discussion. And when does that kick off? That's kicking off on Saturday, the 29th. And it could be, you know, that, that that mindset, because what do we need to be? We need to learn how to master our own mind. As a friend of mine would say, it's that stinking thinking that keeps getting me into trouble. You know, we, we overthink things. We worry. We, we, we don't know how to deal with our stronger emotions. Um, we know, for example, that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And now how do we metabolize that? How do we step into that? How do we learn how to live our lives in the context of being loving all the time, no matter what is occurring externally? You know, so that's, we're going to be answering some of those things in, um, you know, that, that, that week to week context and in that monthly context, and we'll be you know, having live facilitated discussions, which is, you know, one of my favorite things to do in the world, which is, is to talk to people and watch the transformation happen. All right. We're going to move Payne. on now. We, yes, go ahead. Um, I see that Victoria put a comment in the chat earlier. She said, I hear what you're saying, Minister Webb, but how can self-worth be initiated? We as a community are still struggling with understanding what being rooted in our community means. I, I don't disagree that we have that struggle. Um, Self-worth can be initiated by intentionally, intentionally letting people in our community know that they are valued, showing them the value they have, encouraging someone. Um, because once I have found this in my work, that once you show people where their value is, what they're good at, those, those small wins, will help them to start to build that confidence that, that, that lets them know, okay, I don't have to take X, Y, or Z. I can, I am in control of, of my, my surroundings. And so it begins with the one-on-one -on -one interactions that we have and, and understanding being rooted in our community, we have to start teaching that. We've, we've lost a lot of our elders and our ancestors and a lot of our, um, collective memories are going away, but we have to be intentional about planting those seeds within young people, within young adults, within anybody who will listen so that they can later on blossom. We won't ever, we won't ever know what being rooted means if we don't start planting. A while ago, it was, we all lived in the same area and so we were rooted, this was our community. Now that our community is dispersed, we have to be intentional about building community even when I am not geographically uh, connected to you. And so it takes an, it's an intentional process. It can be done. And I, I, many people want to hear that you are valued and this is, they can't see themselves, right? Anatomically, you cannot see yourself ever. You can only look at yourself as a reflection or through the eyes of other people. And so when we see value in people, it, it, we can look at it as our accountability um, opportunity to show them where that value is so that they can then understand that value and not be taken advantage of. But, but thank you for that, Victoria. I appreciate it. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Victoria. And I just want to acknowledge that um, a member of community, Patricia, she's going to ask Meditation Nation to say a prayer for her dear friend, Eileen, who is making her transition right now. May you have a peaceful and painless journey, Eileen. And yeah, we see that. We acknowledge that. And again, that's the beauty of being in community, isn't it? So that you can be there to express to bear witness to and for each other. And in so doing, be uplifted. I feel so blessed and grateful that um, we are able to just take a moment to acknowledge that, to acknowledge that. 
Yes, and Victoria is saying exactly, Minister Webb. Thank you for reinforcing my thought process. And yes, and people are acknowledging uh, Patricia as well. So what I'd like to do and take our last few minutes to, to talk about is the concepts of spiritual wealth and spiritual poverty. I'm reading a wonderful, wonderful book by now. It's by the author, Gary Zuckoff, who has penned a lot of wonderful books. And this book is called The, the Universal Human. And it really does deal with this concept that we're talking about, about this shift in consciousness that is, is happening right now. It's a necessary shift in conscious, consciousness where before uh, change was brought about by being on the macro level, you could, you could march a change into happening. You could protest a change into happening and you could do it without the benefit of, of, of the inside work and becoming more internal. It was, and, but now we're seeing that it's almost like how we have these antibiotic resistant diseases. You can keep throwing antibiotics after so many, a thing and thing and thing and thing and thing. And what the penicillin used to deal with, it doesn't even touch anymore. And so now we have such strong societal inflammatory process that those former ways of, of protesting, of marching, of writing policy, of making laws outside of oneself without marrying it to the inside work no longer seem to be working. And so inside of this context of each of us developing spiritual wealth and spiritual poverty, I would like to share some of these ideas. So under spiritual wealth, there is purpose. Oh, each individual understands their purpose in life, understands how to make meaning in their life, understands what is personally fulfilling and what is joyful and what is loving. And they are able to live their lives within that context, then spiritual poverty. That is when one's life, they feel that they would name for themselves that it is meaningless. There's a sense of emptiness. There is emotional pain and there is isolation. And so when you, when you hear this, this idea of spiritual wealth and spiritual poverty, I would like you to expound a little bit, if you could, on these concepts of what it means to you, spiritual wealth, what it means to you, spiritual poverty. You know, those, those definitions that you gave, um, I, I, those, they are the tent posts. Spiritual wealth is when you know, understand, and are operating in your purpose. That um, sometimes it translates materially, but in so many other ways, you are wealthy when you when your spirit is filled and you are operating in purpose and you're able to impact people's lives and, and um, advocate for and create change just by being you. Um, so those who have that spiritual wealth, they are the ones who are able to weather storms. They are the ones who are able to smile in the midst of uh, disaster because their anchor has them solid, right? and they are not moved with every wind of change. Those who are suffering from spiritual poverty um, have been convinced that life is meaningless and that they are lonely and isolated. That is the tool of the enemy, right? Once, once if, if the enemy can separate you from the community, so ideally the community is there to help encourage you, educate you, support you, push you, keep you safe. Once you're outside of that community, that's when those those poverty mindsets kick in and, and you believe that there's no one to help you, even though you have a line of people who are waiting for you to reach out. That's when you believe that life is not worth living, even though you have a family and people who love you. I've found that, and it's all integrated and all tied together because of the historic and ongoing trauma that is visited upon us frequently. Many people have a poverty mindset, both spiritual poverty 
um, financial poverty, they they see lack. They they have a a lack mentality. They don't see abundance, even though they're surrounded by it. And so, helping people to get to the place to where they're throwing off the chains of their spiritual poverty or financial poverty, and moving towards that spiritual um, that spiritual awakening, I, it, it will it will be transformative on its own. And there's a couple ways that you, I, I think pe- can, people can help get there. Community is one that is huge, and it, it it's big. It's big. We cannot overestimate how important just being around people are. Um, listening, right? Learning from those who've gone before you. Learning from those who've done it. Um, studying whatever whatever spiritual disciplines that you have. Making sure that you are con- consistent. That you're studying. Um, your doctrines, that you are in meditation, that you are devoting yourself to the work that you were created to, that purpose again. And then all of those um, lies of the enemy that tells you you're not worth it, that tells you you're alone, that tells you you're no good, they fade away because you start to hear the affirmations from the community, but also those spiritual affirmations that say, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created in the image of God. You have all that you need. And then that gives us the fuel to move forward. Ah, beautifully, beautifully said. Thank you so much. And today I want to leave our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful audience with the idea of reflecting upon spiritual wealth and spiritual poverty. In what ways might you be experiencing spiritual poverty? And in what ways might you be experiencing spiritual wealth? And what is your spiritual wealth? And how does this spiritual wealth reflect on your own continuum of health and vitality? For we now know that this is not separate. This is not different. And this is, oh my goodness, if, if, if and when people get this concept, I think we're going to start to see the human consciousness evolve and change happening on an exponential level. But right now we kind of have to kind of uh, stand in the gap and we have to get there. We have to get there. So listen, everybody, I want people to reach out, be involved with Minister Curran's work, reach out through Instagram and connect or being a part of the forming group of a political disciple. Go ahead, reach out and do that. If you want to reach out to me, you got a question, you have a way to email me and contact me. Or if you want to be a part of mindset mastery, weightless and mind, body and spirit, learning how to pivot in the moment, being a part of this community. Maybe that's the step that you need to take. And as always, you know, this engagement and this show is about its education, its information. It is having facilitated discussions so you can come home to yourself and begin to live your best life. So you can be the change you want to see in the world. We have so many beautiful um, uh, comments uh, coming on. So Victoria, so we'll wrap up. We'll just let a few of these go by. So spiritual wealth is understanding. Do unto others as you wish to be done unto. Yes, a wisdom tradition, a concept dating back thousands of years from the Judeo-Christian world. And you also find this in the great wisdom traditions and religions globally. It's a global, it's a universal concept. Believing that your steps are guided in empathy, compassion, selflessness, and unconditional love without looking for reward. Spiritual poverty is me, myself, and I. It's all about me. And I could care less 
what happens mm -hmm. to you. Look at this. Look at these reflections, spiritual poverty, spiritual wealth. Spiritual wealth is connections I've made in this community. Absolutely. Your love and support uplifts me beautifully. It's great that Minister Webb jumps in on the chat along with Dr. Penn and all are participating. This has been a great exchange. Yes, Keen, yes, spiritual wealth is predicated on spiritual discipline. Bravo, Minister Kerwin Webb. So Linda's saying, great discussion. Thank you. By the way, her parents were great leaders here in Red Bank, part of the very famous mm. Parker family. Parker. Yes, indeed. So keep smiling, Minister Webb. Thanks for being a true community person. Love you. Dr. Kathy saying thank you. So yes, thank you so very much. I am looking forward to continuing our conversations in all the different ways that they're showing up in our blossoming friendship, in our activism, and in our empathy and compassion and desire to serve our community. So I'm going to ask you to hang out and meet you backstage in the green room. In the meantime, I'm going to bring Kenny Brazil Hamilton back on as we, and yes, Jeffrey, thank you so much, as we have an opportunity to hear this wonderful theme song once again. And I'll see you next week where Dr. Kathy is going to be our guest. And we are going to be talking about the mind-body medicine compendium. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss that show. All right. Greatness, no matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless.